with the 32nd pick in the NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select. You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, coming to you live from our hotel room in beautiful Mobile, Alabama. It's the second day of the Journey to the Draft podcast from the Senior Bowl. Chris McPherson joined alongside Fran Duffy. And wow, what a long, long day it was. But we have tremendous content coming your way after the first day of practices for both the North and South squads, along with coverage of the weigh-ins. Your first ever weigh-in. Yeah, it was, you know, you you watching young men parade across, and it's like underwear Olympics. Where else would you rather be? Um... I'm not going to answer that one. <laughs> Come up with a couple of plays off the top of my head. Uh, but you get to see the physique, and you get to compare them to the other players. You get yeah. the true heights and weights. So I understand it's part of the process. You know, it's, a, it's like a bodybuilding competition portion. That's right. But you have to now see that go onto the football field. If you look the term body beautiful but can't do anything on the field whatsoever, well, what's the purpose, though? But likewise, you see some guys who – Maybe you've seen on tape, you're like, oh, yeah, they're you know somewhat impressive. But then you see the buys, and you're like, that's not going to hold up in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's so often where that doesn't match up. Our friend Tony Pauline likes to drop the line, looks like Tarzan, plays like Jane. We can't say that. That's a Tony favorite. That's a great one. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think when you look at uh, you know, some of these guys, sometimes the body doesn't match up. So we have a lot to get into. Uh, Tony Pauline, speaking of him. Oh, good call. Yep. Draftanalyst.com. He's going to kick things off in our Mr. Relevant because he goes through his big takeaways from the weigh-ins as well as his uh, players who, sh- who shine on both the North and South squads. Yep. Also some players who didn't perform up to expectations. Uh, then Fran and I are going to offer our takeaways. Uh, our, our, It's my first, uh, what do we call it? The unofficial in- visit. Unofficial visit. Oh, it's been so long. Because you know what it was too. We didn't do them last year. No, because we weren't down here. So we we had you've had a year off from doing the unofficial. It's visits. just it's again just didn't not, roll off through. Didn't roll off. Did the not. Time. No, I, I didn't know where I was going with that. So Dontavious Russell, defensive lineman from Auburn, uh, had a chance to catch up with him today at the meet. That's the thing. It, it's our day has been from about seven thirty to about. 10 o'clock and almost. And 7.30 is when it started, so it began much earlier than earlier that. Earlier than that, but yeah. so 7.30 to almost 10 is the weigh-in process. Yep. Because you got to go through every single player on both squads. Then media day took place, and that was about two, two and a half hours. And then you rolled right from that to the first practice. So, And then the practices are back-to-back with about not even a half hour yep. in between, about about half hour in between. But you know what? It's been a fun day. We've learned a lot. Got to see these players up close and personal. And uh, we'll get into the action starting with our Mr. Relevant, Tony Pauline from DraftAnalyst.com. It's time for Mr. Relevant. Wow, this is an absolute honor. I get to be joined in the conversation between Fran Duffy and... And our esteemed Mr. Relevant, Tony Pauline, draftanalyst.com, at Tony Pauline on Twitter. Tony, long time, sir. Yeah, too long, actually. Uh, well, well, with you anyway, I was with Fran all last week at the Shrine Game. Of so, course. Uh, nothing new between uh, Mr. Duffy and myself, but yes, yes. <laughs> Good to see. Good to see you again, especially since I never got to see you last year as their eagle as the Euro Eagles made their way through the uh, playoffs into the Super Bowl championship. Trying so. to avoid you again this year just didn't quite work yeah, out. Well. So it's a combine. We always have Indy, Tony. We Come do, and we will have in Indianapolis this year and uh, the Peep. And what's that other place I took you guys to last year? Uh, first watch. First watch. First watch. Right, for the lemon ricotta pancakes. We're not. We're not. Getting, we, we we're giving away all this free. Licking my chops, here, even so. as I just say that. So. <laughs> So get into the action. Obviously, jam-packed Tuesday here at the Senior Bowl, Mobile, Alabama. Starting with the weigh-ins, Tony. Any insight? Anything jump out at you from a shocking standpoint, from a positional standpoint, in terms of what you're waiting to see guys come in at? Well, you know, it's it's basically like a body beautiful contest. All I'll say is this: 
a lot of the small school defensive backs, guys from Corey Ballantyne, Washington, the kid from South Dakota State, the small school defensive backs look physically very impressive to me. Mm-hmm. When they start, Natter, Adderley of Delaware, very impressive. And then when the kids from Northern Illinois got on the, uh, got on the podium, it looked like some of them have never done a push-up in their life. Now, Sutton Smith had a developed upper body, but Sharping, the, uh, the offensive lineman, you know, when, when you scout Sharping, you see he's very athletic, he moves well, he's explosive, but he has no strength at the point of attack. I saw why today on the podium. I mean, it, it, was, it just boggled my mind that Northern Illinois, which is a, a, a very solid MAC program, you, you know that they're not, not going to have a, develop, or a great weight training program, but to see them compared to some of these guys from Washburn and South Dakota State and Delaware who, you know, look like they could be in a, a mini Mr. Universe contest to me was, was rather stunning. All right, well, let's get into the the action on the field, Tony, because we got the South practice here first thing today. Uh, And a number of really talented players, you know, for this South squad, obviously. And was there anybody that stood out right off the top for you that really kind of made their presence known here today at Lab People Stadium? Titus Howard, Alabama State. Lined up at right tackle. Was was fantastic. I mean, uh, fundamentally sound from a small school program, so you know he's well coached. Explosive, quick, athletic, really handled all the top competition that he went against. I mean, three or four downs, he handled Montez Sweat, and he had Montez Sweat frustrated. Now, Montez Sweat beat him in the last one-on-one, beat him badly, and that's what people remembered. But the three previous ones, uh, Titus Howard uh, annihilated him. Titus Howard handled uh, O'Shane Zimenez from uh, Old Dominion. I mean, uh, just... Zemenis had no chance against him. Same thing with Carl Granderson. So I thought it was an outstanding day for Titus Howard, who really lived up to his billing, if not exceeded his billing. I also like DeMarcus Christmas from the South of Florida State. He was at times impossible to stop. Beat opponents with power, beat them with quickness, showed a variety of moves, showed that he potentially could be a playmaker uh, at the next level. Uh, Rocky Sin from uh, Fran Duffy's alma mater, Temple. I thought he also had a very good day. Uh, very quick. I love this, his, his uh, drills, the backpedal, the hip turn. Uh, showed a lot of good things uh, during uh, coverage drills. I thought some of the linebackers, Bobby Okariki of Stanford, quick, explosive guy who eats up a lot of space in a little bit of time. I also thought that he had a solid day. And Dalen Mack of Texas A&M continued to have uh, a, a great uh, great week of all-star games in the lead-up to uh, the draft. As last week, when we saw him at the Shrine game, he was dominant. Well, he was dominant today. I mean, he was, he was pushing the, uh, the South's defen- uh, centers off the ball. He was bull rushing them. He showed incredible power, also showed a variety of moves. So I, I thought that uh, Mac really stood out to me. It's interesting because going back to the weigh-ins, when Mac went on stage, I was like, "This guy's going to be 350." I mean, he looked massive, and he comes at 327. And then you mentioned how explosive he was on the field. Fran and I were talking about him in the stands. He's kind of a one-year wonder. Do you have the backstory as to why do you think that he's emerged here in his senior season, and why he's now catapulting himself to? fly up the draft boards with these performances at Shrine Game and starting off Senior Bowl on, on a great note? Not really. I mean, he played a bit as a junior. He didn't perform as well, but that's, that sometimes happens. Some of these, sometimes these guys are late bloomers. And, you know, we'll, see, we'll have to see how fast he's moving up draft boards. Now, you've got to remember, he was a late fill-in from the Shrine Game. He wasn't a, a, an immediate Senior Bowl invite. I don't even know that he has a combine interview, a combine invitation. I would imagine he does, but a lot of those guys that Fran and I saw last week at the Shrine Game were on the bubble waiting for combine invitations. So, you know, and I, I agree with you. He's got a kind of a funky build in the sense that he's short and he's got a really thick lower body. Very uh, thick lower body. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so about three hundred twenty pounds, about two hundred eighty-five pounds of it from his hips down. Yeah. Um, so, and what that means is, it, that means he's not going to be a good fit for every system. I mean, maybe he's a he's, he's a zero technique tackle, maybe he's a nose tackle. Uh, you know, it, it means, to, in my opinion, it means that you know he's a good player, but he's just not a good fit for every system. Real quick question before we move on to the North Squad, Tony. Any insight at all? And I have no idea. I, I'm so I'm sorry. I'm hitting you off the uh, off the cuff on this one. 
Jonathan Abram, the safety from Mississippi State, uh, got flagged for physical or for his uh, his physical from a medical standpoint, so couldn't participate. Any insight into what happened there? I heard it's a leg injury, but I will find out. Uh, so hopefully, within the next day or two, I will find out exactly what it is. I know he got flagged. He has been around. Uh, we'll find out. You know, uh, we've got to mention a couple. I mean, I thought uh, the quarterback play from the South. I thought Jarrett Stidham uh, looked very good today. Okay. I mean, I've known Stidham. Uh, has the talent. He was highly rated. I hi- had him highly rated off the 2017 film. Did not play well in 2018. I heard there was a lot of problems there with the coaching situation and Stidham not being a good fit in that system. He's more of a pro-style uh, quarterback. He wasn't the one-read one open offense quarterback that they wanted at uh, Auburn. Thought he hel- helped himself a, a real lot today. One guy in the North squad, Tony, that really, really impressed me, and I know you were you were tweeting about him as well, uh, was a player that I, I've – there's probably – I mean, there's less than 10 guys, single-digit guys I haven't studied yet, and this is one of them. And Chuma Adoga, the offensive lineman from USC, played most of the day at left tackle. He looked really impressive in one-on-ones, really, really fluid. What have you heard about him and his stock and how teams view him at this point in the process? Came into the season as uh, with late-round grades. Some teams even graded him as a, uh, as a free agent. I thought he was underrated all, all along. When you watch the tape, both the 2017 and 2018 film, you know, you're going to say to yourself, why isn't this guy a middle-round choice? The question is, does he have the height to play left tackle at the next level. A lot of teams, uh, you know, want their left tackles or their tackles in general to be 6'4 and a half, 6'5". Uh, he struggles to get to that. So, But, you know, like you said, I mean, able to slide his feet laterally, laterally covers a lot of area, got out off the edge, good hand movement, bends his knees. And, you know, I say that and people, sh- you know, shake their heads like, that's what scouts are looking for here. They're looking for those NFL fundamentals because on the college level, it's very easy for a 300-pound guy to overwhelm a lesser opponent. You're not going to be able to do that at the next level. So what they want to see here is good, proper fundamentals, NFL techniques, and that's what Adoga showed today. So sticking with the North team, you talked about Adderley a little while ago in terms of the guys who look good during the weigh-ins. What did you like from what you saw from him on the field today as you know, a former corner who moved to safety after a couple of years at Delaware, you know, a lot of top talented safeties here this week in Mobile, Alabama. What were your thoughts on this year Adderley's performance? I thought the safeties from the North were okay. I mean, they had their moments. There was nothing really that stood out to them. I thought the top defensive back from the North was actually another small school guy, Corey Ballantyne hmm. from Washburn, who was fantastic. And I mean, the senior ball has been a showcase for small school players in the defensive secondary. Dominique Rogers Cromartie. Years ago, Rasheen Mathis uh, of North Car- of uh, Bethune Cookman turned out to be a- an early second round pick, had a long career at the next level. I thought Corey, Corey Ballantyne showed that throughout practice today uh, from the drills where he showed good backpedal, hip turn. In the one-on-ones, was able to stay downfield with opponents. What he does really well is he gets his head back around, tracks the pass in the air, got a little grabby at times and things that would be called uh, interference or holding more more to it uh, at the next level. But I thought the safeties were okay. The defensive back who really stood out to me was the cornerback from Washburn, Corey Ballantyne. So sticking with the small school theme, uh, one guy I wanted to ask you about in terms of what you've heard, John Kaminsky from Charleston. I feel like he's he's checking a lot of boxes, and I wasn't focused in on him solely today. I feel like I saw one or two reps where he seemed to you know not do all that well in one on ones. But you know, you're talking about a guy, okay, small school, obviously at Charleston. So what do you need to see? Dominate that level of competition, high level production. Comes here, looks body beautiful, built very very well at, at pro at the uh, the weigh ins this morning. Very well-spoken. I was very impressed with him at media day. So you're checking a lot of boxes there with Kaminsky. How, what have you heard from him in terms of how teams are viewing him at this point? Right now, it's a, he's a third-day pick. He's not, like uh, he's not say, compared to, say, Nate Shepard last year, who people fell in love with, ended up as a third-round pick of the New York Jets. Uh, you, you know, there was one play in scrimmage where he just dominated Dalton Risner, who had a Difficult day if we want to get into that. But he dominated Dalton Wisner. Wisner could not block Comiskey. Comiskey beat him with his hands, made a left-hand turn, got down the line of scrimmage and made a, made a play. I'm hearing right now you're looking more at a probably like a fourth, fifth rounder. Now, if he picks it up this week and then has some good workouts, I think that he could pop into the third round. The problem is, is he plays at a position that is loaded in this year's draft. 
and where a lot of guys are going to get underdrafted on the defensive line. Because as we've talked about before, this could be a historic draft on the defensive line. So Comiskey could be one of those guys where, you know, people look at him as a third or fourth round, uh, third rounder, then he becomes good value in fourth or fifth round just because of the numbers at the position. You mentioned Reisner, the uh, offensive lineman from K-State. You were surprised by his performance today. Not me. I mean, as Fran and I have talked about multiple times, we think he's, uh, he's been overrated. I mean, I posted on uh, Twitter – he entered the season with seventh-round seventh round grades. People kind of mocked me and berated me because of that, but that was the situation, and he showed it today. I mean, he, he, was, he was terrible today. I'm, you know, I'm sorry to say that. He did exclusively line up at right tackle today. Most, a lot of people project him to guard or center. He was out at right tackle, and he was getting hammered. Uh, he got hammered on back-to-back plates. Zach Allen just ran over him. Then L.J. Collier of uh, TCU yeah, just got him a couple times. Yeah, just ran around them. Yep. Uh, I, I talked about Comiskey. I mean, listen, I, I'm not. You know, you, you don't want to say you don't want to root against the kid, but I'm not surprised by what happened. And he really struggled today. I thought from the north, if I'm going to grade out the uh, uh, offensive lineman, he's at the bottom or near the bottom. So my my last question for you, Tony. You've been here now a couple days. Uh, obviously, we were at the Shrine Game last week. We've seen now a full day of practice from this group, and, and you've been talking with people over the last 48 hours. In your mind right now, who is the first player selected here at this game? Right now? Right now. After practice today, it could be Daniel Jones. Yeah. I mean, uh, as I've said and a number of times, and I've kingmaker. spoken with you, yeah, the, the senior ball is a kingmaker at the quarterback position. Now, I don't think Daniel Jones had that type of day, but he was very close to it. I mean, he was accurate. He was making good decisions. He's got a bit of a wind-up uh, when he delivers, especially the long passes. That's got to be uh, fixed. Uh, but he showed he can get the ball down the field. He showed the ability to put touch on throws. He didn't really uh, have any bad throws today. Uh, so I, I think right if you're going to go by the first day of practice, I think it's got to be Daniel Jones, and he's, he's definitely improved the stock. A couple more days of good practice uh, could put Daniel Jones in the top 15 of the draft. Tony, my last question for you is any other under-the-radar performers who uh, fans need to start learning about? Renell Wren of Arizona State, a guy that Fran and I talked about, or I spoke to Fran about on the Journey to Draft podcast back in October when people told me that he was the fastest-rising defensive lineman. He looked every bit of it today. Uh, he was running over Garrett Bradbury of North Carolina State, who a lot of people like. Uh, at one point, they were trying to double-team block him, and he was still getting pressure up the field. Uh, Eric McCoy of Texas A&M, the center, had a great day until he went up against Rennell Wren, and Wren uh, demolished him. And again, it was a variety of ways. It wasn't just power, which he was able to do. He was able, able to overpower people. It was quickness. He showed a variety of moves and techniques with his hands. Uh, you know, I go back to what I uh, said to, to Fran months ago about Wren. He, he doesn't have go- he doesn't have great st- he did not have great statistics at Arizona State, but he was asked at Arizona State basically to occupy the gaps and to take up blockers and allow teammates to make plays on the ball, and he did a very good job of that today, especially in the one on ones and even a bit in scrimmage. He showed himself to, to be the to have the ability to make plays at the next level. They kept lining him up on the inside. You can play him at defensive tackle. You can use him as a two gap end. But Renell Wren was everything that uh, was advertised to me. And we'll see. I, I mean, what you want to see, and Fran and I talked about this last week at the Shrine, you want to see these guys to be able to maintain, to, to improve on what they showed today, tomorrow, and then the third day of practice. You know, if it's a, a one-and-done sort of situation, people say, okay, but, you know, if Renell Wren can continually dominate, he's going to move up into that second-day area. Tony, it's been an absolute pleasure. Having you here in our hotel room, Mobile, Alabama, making them happen. Thanks for having me. Now it's time for Draft Buzz. Wasn't quite sure what this segment of the uh, program was going to be called. Uh, I'm, I'm just all out of whack. You're throwing back the unofficial visit at me. The Draft Buzz is coming back into play here. And, and the second part of the show, Mr. Relevance at the top, yeah, we're out of whack, but it's, it's hard. I'm out of whack. Yeah, I'll, I'll fully admit it. So, I even failed to to plug people who haven't downloaded and subscribed to the podcast yet. That's, Now's the time. If you that, haven't yet, this is it. That's the, that's the rocky sin right there. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, I mean, come that's on now. Good. Um, 
I mean, get this is when it all it's all taking place. It's all heating up. So, uh, I guess should we go through as we experience the day? I think we go through as we. So I think we start off with who impressed us at weigh-ins, who were you know, and then we just go from to, from there to South practice and North practice. That sounds good. So uh, I'll give you some of these superlatives from the weigh-ins. Okay. Kick things off here. The tallest player. I'll go South and North team. North and South. Who's just a giraffe. So this the guy. tallest player here, North team, Stetson tight end, Donald Parham. I like I don't even know like what to even think of the case. Six foot so, eight. Six a legit like again, a legit six, six eight. eight. Crazy. It was over I have the the final number. I think he was actually His neck alone is like eight inches. I think it was slightly over six eight, in fact. I mean it's ridiculous. But he's two forty. Yeah. We talked about that last night. Like we knew we had a we feeling had that this was going to be the case, but it was verified today. Yeah. That's the thing. And he's been training for a few weeks now, so the fact that he only came in at 240 is a bit worrisome. So the tallest player on the South team was Buffalo quarterback Tyree Jackson, another – Who's a monster. Like, just <laughs> – Because he's 6'7", 250, like, and he's a quarterback, and he looks like he's like 255. Yeah. He, he, he carries the weight pretty well. Um, I mean, he's – He's a big boy. Was it was Mettenberger about that height? About that height, yeah. I'm trying to Ryan Mount. I'm trying to think of a Ryan tall Mount, quarterback. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a little yeah. unusual, to say the least. But yeah. all right. So the heaviest players will go to the North team, and it's Caleb McGarry, coming at coming at 321 pounds. He looked like he could have been uh, Lane Johnson's brother. He looks like he could be related to Lane. <laughs> I saw that as soon as he got up. You look at the profile. Like is that like that looks like Lane. So that's the heaviest player on the North team. South team, B.J. Autry, the guard, came in at 351 pounds. Yeah, 350. He, like, when he stepped up, and it, that was the, like, the, what was that, the second name? So, like, you got you to taste right away of, uh, of what that can look like, <laughs> which way that can go uh, <laughs> right off the bat. The one thing you you prepared me for was the, the audible gas you might hear from the executives. And, again, it's – all the scouting departments from across the league who are attending this media personnel coaches as well, there, coaches, there. Yep. you know, didn't really have any of those. There were there were none where you felt like there like, were there were a couple. They weren't as pronounced as maybe I've heard in the past, and um, did, but there were there were a couple. Some people were taking going back to Parham after he came at six eight. People were like gambling. On like what the weight was, what the be. weight would be, sure. Because I think, and I think the guess was actually like, you know, he came in at two forty. People were like it's two fifteen, like yeah. two twenty. Like that's what it looks like. When that's he what it looked like yeah. exactly right there. So uh, the shortest players, I forgot to mention the shortest players uh, for the North team: wide receiver Penny Hart, five foot eight, little guy. Yep, Jitterbug there, and the shortest player on the South team: safety Darius West, coming in at five eleven. So it's not that's not, not that that's not, not that, that bad little. at all. Yeah. No. Uh, to see the lightest players here, you have uh, Penny Hart, again, 180, along with Marquise Blair, safety. Mm. And then uh, for the South team, the lightest player here in Mobile, Alabama, Clemson receiver Hunter Renfro, 175. Looks like he could be an IT. So and there you he's, go. He's, uh, he's a very unassuming figure, but really crisp as a route runner. He catches everything. Very shifty. Was, was impressed by him at the practices yep. today. So in terms of... The guys who you're looking at in terms of determining their futures. We talked a little bit about this on the podcast yesterday where certain guys were going to have to weigh in at, you know, certain points to kind of, you know, dictate where they're going to be moving forward from a position standpoint, especially along the offensive defensive lines. Any of those guys stand out to you? Yeah, I got to go through all like the uh, the arm length measurements and stuff like that, but um, so nothing comes off the my, comes off the top of my head immediately. I would say like the guys that because here's the thing: there are some guys that go up there like Sutton Smith, right? Like Tony mentioned him earlier. Sutton yeah. Smith in Northern Illinois was really you know he was yoked up in his upper body, but he still only came in at two thirty. And he's all like he's maxed. That's what maxed out is like. It's like okay, well he's two thirty, and he's already got like all like he's already got like muscles on top of muscles right now. How much bigger is he going to get realistically? Like he's not going to get to two forty five. He's not going to get to two forty three. Like you have to. So now it, you just kind of look at that and say, all right, what is the growth potential for some of these guys? Um, and I think with some. You see that that's the, that's what you worry about with guys like Donald Parham. You worry about like, is, uh, how much weight is this guy going to put on? Um, 
like one guy that, that was really impressive to me was, you know, he looked the part and you saw that there was even more growth potential there, in my opinion, uh, was Montez Sweat. I think John Kaminsky from Charleston looked like that. Um, you know, I would say uh, as well Isaiah Johnson from Houston looked like that. I think there were some guys that just you, you, when they got up there, you can kind of see it in their traps, you could see it in their thighs, you can see it in their butt, that they've got the ability to put on more weight. And to me, that's where you're talking about in terms of growth potential. But uh, some of those guys, I mean, Terrell Hanks, like Terrell Hanks, I thought had that was one of those pauses. You could, you could kind of hear the buzz through the crowd when he Looked walked like up. Looked like an Adonis. Yeah, yeah, he did. He did. So, and there were a couple of other players like that. And Tony mentioned some of those guys, the guys who were really rocked Karen up. Karen Higdon, so. I would say, would be one of those guys, too, yes, from Michigan. Yes, I agree. He brought the juice as well. So, let's get into the practices. Okay, so we had, there was a media day in between, and – Basically, we spent the time, we, we did a number of one-on-one interviews that we're going to, again, you're going to hear some of them in the unofficial visit, saving some of them for down the line for yep. if we draft the players, but, you know, collected a number of great one-on-one interviews during that uh, about hour and a half, two-hour period or so. We had to have talked, I would, my guess is we talked to about 20 guys. Was that about oh, what it was? I wasn't my, That's sure. my guess. Could we kind of, it, it's, you're just bouncing back and forth going from one practice to the other and everything, so... Kind of a whirlwind spin. So let's get to the South practices. And the first thing that stood out to me here is when you look at the defensive backs, the immense length when you're talking about Isaiah Johnson from Houston, Lonnie Johnson from Kentucky. These were some long, athletic, physical corners. And we'll get into the specific practices, but I felt I saw more press coverage utilized on this in the South team practice that was able to give me somewhat of a better indication of what those corners can do at the next level. And I think that that plays to where the way that Robert Saleh, the, the San Francisco defense coordinator likes to play. I mean, Interesting. That's, that's how they play. So that's how they're going to coach it. Um, you know, and it doesn't surprise me at all to see that those guys are kind of incorporated in that way. Uh, and I would throw Rocky sin from temple into that group as well. You know, watching those guys go through individual drills. And I, I saw the same thing you did, you know, watching them go through Indy, uh, you see three guys with really good length who just look the part, very fluid. The ball never hits the ground. I mean, they, they, they were sharp. They, they looked pretty impressive, in, especially early on in practice. I also, now on the flip side, I would say I like the receivers better on the South team as well. Okay. And we're talking about David Sills, who we talked about your massive feature that you did. Well, we got to see the action on the field, and you got to see – the route running ability, you get to see the size, the ability to stretch the field vertically. It was my first chance to see Tyree Brady, kid from Marshall, and he was able to stretch the field and uh, you know be able to test the secondary deep. And Debo Samuel, who who you mentioned as your top dog here from the wide receiver group, uh, very explosive, great short area quickness. Um, you know, it looks like he's ticketed to be a slot receiver in the NFL, but. Uh, Definitely someone who can make plays with the ball in his hands. Bunch of people in my mentions on Twitter. There was a, a couple shots of him in one on ones, you know, going up against guys like Rocky Sin and winning mm-hmm. vertically, making plays. So, uh, shout out to everybody out there who who felt that uh, I needed to see all the Debo uh, big plays because <laughs> I, I do. I, they know I love Debo Samuel and what he can bring to the NFL. So, uh, was interested. I was glad to see that he had a big day. I was focused a lot, and Eagles fans were like, "Why, Fran, are you doing this?" I was focused a lot on the tight ends and linebackers and safeties okay. you know, to end that practice. So um, went through them with individual drills and then saw them go one-on-one. That was one of the big one-on-one drills I watched to start that south practice. So the way that they'll do it is they go back and forth between the running backs who are matched up typically against linebackers and then the tight ends who are matched up typically against safeties. And they're just running routes at all levels of the field. Josh Oliver from San Jose State is a guy that he was my top dog coming into the week yep. at the tight end spot. Uh just looks the part. I mean, he, to me, I, I watch this kid move. I watch how he looks, and he just looks like he's a day-two tight end. Like, I, to, I think he could be a second or third-round pick, uh, one of the first players off the board at that position. And then the guy, though, that, that really stood out to me, and he's another one that I haven't studied yet, is Trevon Wesco from, uh, from West Virginia. And I, and I talked to a, a scouting buddy of mine uh, earlier today uh, during weigh-ins, actually, uh, and who compared him to, you know, or not compared him, but just described him as a bowling ball. You know, he's 6'3", 270, playing tight end, 
crisp route runner, but just gets after people as a route runner or as a blocker rather. And he, so he's got that ability to line up at a number of different spots and offer that kind of value. He is listed here at the game as a fullback tight end. Um, you know, so seeing him in action today, I was I was pretty impressed with him as a route runner. Foster Moreau made some nice plays as well down the field. Uh, He's in, the one who came into this week more as a blocker who no really needed to show that he could be a pass catcher. Yeah, he made well. a couple of nice catches against Jaquan Johnson in coverage, so I thought that that was important to see. And then uh, from a defensive standpoint in the drills, the two best defensive plays I saw were from Gary Green, the edge rusher from Mississippi State. He made a great pass breakup down the field. I'm trying to remember the, who the, the tight end was, but it was a diving pass breakup on a deep corner route, uh, which was impressive. And then Terrell Hanks uh, was matched up against Bruce Anderson, the running back from North Dakota State, uh, in, a pass rush, or in a pass coverage drill. And uh, Anderson tried to give him a little shake at the line of scrimmage. Hanks was having none of that. Gave him a two-hand jam right at the line, put him right on his backside, uh, and drew a lot of oohs and ahs from the crowd. One of the, the only, honestly, one of the only plays that felt that kind of generated any kind of juice whatsoever. That's it's interesting because it was it's my first Senior Bowl practices, and one of the early comments you said, and we don't know if it's the weather, it was damp, it was rain, was drizzle was off and on. It I think was, the weather has had a lot to do with it. I do, but just not a lot of electricity out no. there on the on the field at Lab People Stadium. Yeah, I'll be interested to see when we get back onto the field, whether that's Wednesday or Thursday, uh, if that juice is generated by the coaching staff. Certainly, so something to watch there. Anything else? Uh, on type any loose ends with the South? No, I think I, I agree. I was I was mostly looking at those tight ends. You know, the the receivers. I agree with you as that as they went more into team periods. I started watching more of those guys. Um, I like that group, that trio there, Debo, Tyree Brady, David Sills. It's a, it's a good group, and um, you know they, they caught the ball very well. Tyree Brady continues to impress me just with how smooth he kind of transitions and for a bigger kid uh, to, you know, to, to catch the ball as softly as he does. I, I think he's a pretty impressive player. What's interesting is you know, I'm seeing the quarterbacks throw for the first time, and obviously it's very difficult because they're trying to develop some kind of rapport with these receivers with no experience whatsoever on, on some of these timing plays. So there was a couple times where Will Greer, the quarterback from West Virginia, you know, makes a beautiful throw to Gary Jennings. Well, it was his teammate at mm. West Virginia. Same with David Sills. There was a back shoulder throw, which was very impressive. I'm like, well, he's throwing that to David Sills, like a number. You know, it's you can see where having that would provide an advantage in these games because you can make those types of plays where if you don't have – that rapport already in place, it's not going to happen. No question. I think that's a, a big, big part of it. Because honestly, the, the throws that I saw from Greer, you know, he's throwing behind receivers. He missed Debo on one play. He missed uh, Anthony Johnson on one play. I mean, he he was a little bit up and down. But, it was scatter uh, shot. I would, yeah, I would say know. so. So we'll transition over to the North team practice. And – I, I got to watch some of the pass rushers in this one a little bit more because you watched the one, one-on-one O-line, D-line for the South team. I got to watch it for the North team. And we talked about Marquez, uh, Martez Sweat already, and I thought he was everything. I know Tony kind of um, you know talked about that it was Andre Dillard who I think had, had – was it under Diller who who had stood him up at times, or uh, I believe he, no, he was talking more for uh, Titus Howard. Titus Howard. So we're talking about Titus Howard had a couple of nice plays against him, um, but with, with Sweat Montez Sweat, I feel like you saw the size. You know, he has a, a, a variety of moves. He shows patience as a pass rusher. He has a plan when he's coming to attack. Uh, overall, I thought he was the most polished of the pass rushers. Jalen Ferguson. Um, you know, show that he can win with some speed off the edge. He's not going to physically dominate you, uh, but very refined in his hand mo- movement. Uh, it's not like he's, you know, coming from Louisiana Tech having 45 career sacks and, you know, overwhelming with as a one-trick pony. Yep. I, th- I thought there was a variety of moves from him as well and actually got to speak with him after the practice, and he talked about how, you know, that that's something that he's worked on to develop. So, um so it's got to see a little bit more of the one-on-one from that standpoint there. Yeah, and I thought you know there were a couple guys um, you know from that North squad from a skill standpoint. You know Tony Pollard is a player I would you know you and I talked about we were both excited to see. Uh, you could see these got some juice. You know, he had a couple drops in the passing game, 
But overall, you could see that he's got the athleticism to make plays in space. And, and the one wide receiver from the North squad that, you know, you, you had more eyes on the, on the pass catchers in that, mm-hmm. in that period um, or for that team. But the, every time I looked over, it seemed like Andy Isabella, you know, seemed to be making plays. He was a guy that really stood out to me. I think he was clearly – he and Terry McLaurin from Ohio okay. State were my two favorites. Well, what did you see from McLaurin? McLaurin, uh, I think just overall um, very, very refined as a route runner, could, could do a lot of different things from a route running standpoint, um, was fluid, I thought, in and out of his breaks. Yep. Uh, I, th- I thought he could do a little bit of, of everything out there as a receiver you know, it's not he's not a big physical receiver not going to overwhelm you in that regard you know i don't know if he's going to be like a 50 50 contested catch mm-hmm. guy but uh so so he's someone who i think you know can add a more refined element it seems like he can be a guy who comes in day one and contribute pretty early he's not someone who has to learn the entire route tree like i, I look at him as a guy and he's they it's different skill sets in terms of like the way they're built and what they can do but in terms of the future role, I feel like he's like a Mac Hollins type. Like that's kind of how I view Terry McLaurin, um, just overall kind of big picture. I, I watched a lot of the trenches from this from this mm-hmm. group, from the North squad. Um, watched a lot of the one-on-ones. I mentioned Chuma Doga earlier. I was really just – I was very, very impressed with that kid. Uh, lined up mostly at left tackle. I know he had been on right tackle most of his career with USC. This kid looked fluid. He had great range, had no problem at all with any of the speed that the guys were throwing at him from that north squad. Uh, seemed very, very athletic, very comfortable moving in reverse. Uh, showed a little bit of nasty to him as well, put a couple guys on their back. But uh, he was the most impressive offensive lineman. Defensively, Tony mentioned it earlier, and I'm glad you asked that question about uh, you know who was the guy that – um, you know, that maybe fans need to be aware of. Rennell Wren was really, really impressive. I mean, and we talked about him, uh, compared him to Chris Jones, uh, the former first-round pick. Uh, during media session today, I was talking with Josh Norris, uh, our friend of the podcast from Roto World NBC Sports. He loves Rennell Wren. Caught up with Rennell Wren, and he says, uh, you know, who's a, a player that you model your game after? Chris Jones. There you uh, go. He was a guy, you know, he was a guy that he feels like he can kind of pattern his game after. Uh, Rennell Wren was really, really impressive. First step quickness, ability to change the line of scrimmage, uh, collapse the pocket a number of different times. He looked really, really athletic. But uh, those are the two guys on either side. But there were a few other guys that really stood out. I mean, Caleb McGarry uh, from Washington was the right tackle uh, for most of drills. He, Lane, just, he, should, he should be Lane Johnson's brother moving that's forward. That's right, so. yeah. So Lane Johnson's brother. Just engulfed Sutton Smith two straight reps they let Sutton Smith play off the edge and he was a a college defensive end that some people think will have to move to off the ball linebacker because of size constraints they let him go off the edge two straight plays McGarry just like swallowed him up it was it would have been like me trying to rush against McGarry (laughs) it was it was ugly Um, McGarry I thought was really impressive he was very strong Uh, I was impressed with him Chris Lindstrom from Boston College. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looked like he got some reps both inside and outside. I was impressed with him today. He had a couple of really, really impressive reps defensively in that drill. The other guy that stood out was LJ Collier from TCU. Again, lined up in multiple spots, showed the ability to win, was very, very active, uh, got into the backfield one in a couple of different ways. Collier is a guy that I, I haven't studied him yet. I studied his teammate, Banigou. Ben Banigou is here yep. as a linebacker. Every time I watched Banigou, I was like, ah, like, you know, I think he's okay. You know, there's some things I I, I could see what the allure is there. But who's this other guy on the other side? He's going to the NFL PA game, you know, but I I haven't studied him yet. Literally, like, three days later, Collier got the call up to the senior ball. I was like, oh, there you go, of course. And I just haven't gotten a chance to get back to him. So, uh, good to see that Collier bounced and had a really, really good first day. Uh, We've talked before, I think it was on yesterday's podcast, about Colin Saunders, Western Illinois Mm -hmm. kid. And he also had a very good day of practice, showing that he's more than the backflip wonder on social media. Yeah, and I thought that the team period had a couple of really interesting plays. He did flash in the one-on-ones as well. Um, one of the better personalities here, for sure. I yep. talked to him at the end of the media session today, uh, and I was really impressed with him from a personal standpoint. But uh, I think, yeah, you look at Colin Saunders, he had a, a, what would have been a sack towards the end of that team sh- session at the end of practice. The other guy who stood out in that drill, C-Mac, was Jacoby Myers, the, the wide receiver from uh, NC State. 
wasn't super high on him coming into the week. Not a bad player, but not a guy that you know that blew me away in any shape, way, shape, or form. Um, but had a long catch and run uh, mm-hmm. where he ran away from everybody uh, down the left sideline and had a nice tough catch over the middle of the field as well a little bit later. So uh, Jacoby Myers had some nice flashes. I where thought. does he fit in the NFL? I think that's going to be the big question yeah, when it comes that's, for him. That's the question. I mean, he spent most of his time in the slot. He's not a dynamic athlete. He's not a consistent right now go up and win over you, you know, that – so it's going to come down to team and fit, you know, how he's kind of viewed. I mean, could he be – he's kind of used like, like a, a very, very poor man's Michael Thomas. Like he's a big-bodied guy in the slot. Um, you know, could he be what – like Jordan, you know, so Jordan Matthews. Like could mm-hmm. he be that kind of player? I think that's what you're looking at uh, with uh, Jacoby Myers. Um, got- by, by the way, you, when you were watching Receiver DB one on one, I was watching uh, uh, the inside run drill. Uh, so it was nine on seven. But first of all, the there were like four or five snaps that were completely derailed because uh, the quarterbacks, centers, and running backs struggled with exchanges. And everyone ever said, "Oh, you know, it's such a, it's so overrated to say these quarterbacks coming from the shotgun can't learn to play from their center." If you watch that period, you see the struggles some of these guys have. I mean, balls were on the ground left and right. Uh, they couldn't get things going offensively. The only play that I saw where the offense clearly won, they sprung Tony Pollard for one long run um, where the offense all celebrated. But outside of that, this was a defensive drill. Um, the three guys that really stood out to me in this drill, Tavon Coney from Notre Dame, mm-hmm. Drew Tranquil from Notre Dame, and then also Byron Cowart, the former five-star recruit from Auburn who then transferred uh, to Maryland. I think when you look at th- that drill, to me, those were the three guys that consistently were making plays, the two Notre Dame linebackers especially uh, early on. I want to say uh, those three guy- or those two guys were probably involved in the first, like, you know, three of the first five plays. It was very early. It was like Notre Dame helmet, Notre Dame helmet, Notre Dame helmet. Cowart's fascinating because of the backstory. Yeah. You know, it was the number one – defensive recruit in the country going to Auburn yep. spent two years there didn't really get on the field did went the community college route then transferred to to Maryland yep and had okay season showed some flashes and I think sure. this is now sort of like you know is there something there that the scouts and NFL coaches can uh can pull out of them sure wait yeah. and see and there's been a lot of talk on uh on social media recently that there are a lot of people that look at five-star recruits coming out of high school and say, and I think this this might be like a Pete Carroll thing. Okay. Is that um, you, know, you look at those five. At one point, people looked at this kid as a blue-chip recruit, as a guy that could be something special. Um, and it's the same way, you know, in the NFL. Like, why first-round picks continue to get shot after shot? At one point, someone thought that this kid was special, that there was a, you know, that there was a, a, you know, a, a top-end quality talent to this kid. So it's a matter of trying to put it all together. Uh, and then I think we kind of touched on this year earlier, but um, saw how fluid he looks on the field. Yep. There was one reverse. I believe it was Isabella ran. And yes, Ali was correct. right there to make, to make the play. Good so, uh, so figure want to throw his name out there once again. Agreed. So a- anything else from the practices? I feel like, I feel like that's pretty much. I think so. I think that's probably pretty much it. You, I mean, you you mentioned earlier it it wasn't particularly spirited on either side. I didn't think either practice was, you know, oh man, that was a great practice. Like, well, the North team, we, we felt like we had to wait forever for the a lot of special on, teams drills. A lot, yeah. a lot of special teams drills. That 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 can happen from year to year, right, depending on the the, the coaching staff. Um, we'll see. Hopefully, uh, the the next practices these the rest of the week are a little bit better. Indeed. So that's our draft buzz. It's time for our unofficial visit with Dontavious Russell from Auburn. The unofficial visit. We're here at the Senior Bowl. Pleased to be joined by Dontavious Russell from Auburn. And the first question I want to ask you is, when did you think that playing in the NFL would be possible? Um, I, it was always a dream, but um, I ended up starting my freshman year at Auburn, and I just felt like from that point on, moving forward, as long as I improved, I would always have a chance. How much pressure did that put on you, so young in your college career, that you were given that responsibility? I mean, it was pressure, but it was something that I always wanted, you know. So as far as that goes, I don't think it really um, overwhelmed me or nothing like that. I always wanted it. So put you on the spot here, uh-huh. and you can't name a teammate. Mm-hmm. Who was the toughest person you went against um, in your college career? Toughest player I went against in my college career? The thing is, I, I, I probably couldn't tell you his name. He played for San Jose State. 
they came out and did something completely different than what we expected, and I just remember that being a real tough game. For so it was a little bit of a surprise yeah, more than anything. surprise so. more than knowing about who he was. So for fans out there who are learning about you for the first time, describe your playmaking style. My playmaking style? Yeah. I, I, a lot of times I make plays for other people, you know. Uh, I'm a defensive lineman. I plug holes, and uh, I just feel like uh, I make people look better around me. So that's my playmaking style. Was there ever any adversity you had to overcome in your college career that made you question whether you'd be able to make it to the NFL? Uh, no, I've always tried to do what um, what was asked of me and tried to move forward um, in the best way I knew how, so I've never really faced much adversity as far as football goes. Who would you say is a person you have to thank as you're now about to begin your NFL career so close to it? Who's like the one person you want to give a shout out to or say that, you know, this person helped me get to where I am today? I mean, I, I hate to be cliche, but both my parents. Uh, wrong, there's nothing wrong giving the parents some love here. So. But, uh, yeah, they, 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 they helped me in so many ways, and without them I wouldn't be here, so I just appreciate them. What would you say is the most underrated part of playing along the defensive line? Um, stopping the run, I think, is the most underrated thing for defensive line play in uh, 2019 with people so focused on sacks and stuff like that. I just think playing the run is so underrated. you got, we got to stop the guys out there, okay? Yeah. You can't let those running backs. If you come to Philadelphia, okay, we've got Zeke Elliott, Saquon Barkley in the NFC yeah. East, so you got to make sure you take care of those exactly. guys. So, yeah. so Dontavis Russell, congratulations. Best of luck the rest of the way, and thank you for joining us here on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. All right, man, thank you. Now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in the Draft Mailbag. All right, last but not least, your questions in our Draft Mailbag. And one's going to be a carryover. We, we touched on it on last night's ah, episode. Right. Because when we got, by the time we got to it, we were already almost an hour and a half into the show. And <laughs> the question was a good question. <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> Legitimate question. Uh, at T-Bolt10, yeah. Taylor on Twitter, uh, want to know which positions do we think are the most pressing needs for the Eagles and which players would fill those roles? And it doesn't have to be your you know first pick or one of the two second-round picks. Someone here at the Senior Bowl who would fill those needs. And it was like, we're not going to be able to answer this in like you know two or three minutes. This is something that you can probably – we could have probably do, probably do a whole episode. Probably we could. Really, really we probably to. will at some point. I'm sure. So if you want to get into, why don't we go into the needs first or the areas on a roster that need to be addressed first and foremost? Yeah, I, honestly, I think you can look at this and say, all right, well, and I hate to take the easy way out. And all these positions, I think you look at and say, like, all right, I can envision a scenario where the Eagles are spending draft capital on quarterback, running back. Wide receiver, maybe not tight end. I think that's probably one where you say, like, I guess that's potential. There's potential yeah. there, uh, you know, day three. Offensive line, defensive line, linebacker, <laughs> corner, safety. Like, I look at that, you know, they probably have, they probably not corner. I guess I can look at that and say corner, you probably say you've got enough young talent. Uh, I will say this about corner. I will, for the most part, agree on corner that you're, you're set. It's just trying to figure out where guys are going to fit. Next year, Ron Darby is the one free agent you have to yeah. account for. You do have Jalen Mills coming back. Rasul Douglas showed what he can do, and Sidney Jones still has a lot of promise. I, I know fans are probably going to be down on him after an injury plague second season, but I mean he was playing well. The thing is going to be with Craven LeBlanc and what he showed down the stretch. Who is he? Is LeBlanc the nickel? Who fits does, where? Yep. You know, does Sidney maybe battle on the outside? It, it's going to be a fun. OTA training camp battle, but I, I wouldn't. It wouldn't preclude me from if there was, you know, a top talent at twenty five who sure. the Eagles just felt strongly about. I would still feel good about taking someone there. Yeah. So I think if you're looking at this, all right. Well, let's. Why don't we just go? We'll just go through the positions real quick. Maybe we'll pick like one name that kind of piques our interest. Yep. Uh, I think looking at quarterback, you could probably cross off the top names. Obviously, right? So you're, yes. you're not looking Daniel Jones and Drew Locke. Um, I would say the guy that pro- from the rest of that group that kind of piques my interest. You know, I think um, I think Ryan Finley would be the guy that that would kind of pique my interest. I think he's a, he's got the ability to be a really nice backup, uh, you know, good decision maker, accurate, a timing rhythm thrower. Not a supreme arm talent, but not a bad arm talent either. I, I think to me, uh, he's got all the tools, all the makings of a guy that that can come in and be a, a really good backup quarterback. So, so who would fit in this scheme? Yeah, two on top of it would be the big thing with that. So, uh, I'm trying to see. I'm trying to see if there's anyone else who, from quarterback, piqued my interest. 
I think you do have to think about because you're not certain of what Nick Foles' situation is going to be. And you have Carson. You got Sudfeld. Who I like, yeah, and everyone else. I love, I love Nate Sudfeld. Well, you have to. You do have to tender. He he is someone right. you have he, to, do have to deal with. Exactly. So there's an element to his offseason as well. But uh, nonetheless, there you know, there's probably someone in the later rounds who needs, from a depth perspective, need to uh, at least consider. So go to running back next, and from this group here, try and see is there anyone. Anyone who really stands out here? Uh, to me, it's, it comes down to two guys because I think that when you look at the Eagles' running back core right now, you know w- there are roles for all those guys, right? And you look at yeah. it and say, okay, like we know what Wendell Smallwood can bring, what Corey Clement can bring, what Darren Sproles can bring. You know, JJ obviously coming off the injury and mm-hmm. he's going to be a free agent, so you know we don't know about his status. But I think when you look at the guys that finished the year. You look at them and you say, all right, these, this is the role that each of those guys can play. I think when you look at Karen Higdon, he's able to do a lot of those same things. So it's a matter of, all right, do we, is there anybody else here that can do some of the, you know, some things that are a little bit different? Can they carry the load a little bit more of a, of a heavier rate? Can they do things that some of these guys can't? I think Ryqual Armstead from Armstead Temple, would be the guy probably for me. That's probably it. And, you know, I think when you look at Dexter Williams, I think he's the highest upside of any of the backs here. I do. I think he's big play potential, um, you know, has the size, the physicality, has the patience in, in between the tackles. I, I, there are a lot of things to like. Can he be a third, uh, you know, a three-down player? Can he catch the ball out of the backfield? Can he pass protect? That's the question. All right, so wide receiver. Good probably question. Little, probably gets a little more interesting here when you look at yeah. the Eagles as, it's currently constru- as they're currently constructed. And, you know, you figure you got Aglor coming back. You have Alshon on the outside. Golden Tate's going to be – he's a free agent to be, you know, as of right now. So, that's going to be something to watch. Mac Hollins, you know, injuries wiped out his second season. So, you know, he's going to be back and battling. You know, you're you're looking probably, if anything, would be a, a vertical threat. That's what I'm looking – I'm looking at speed here. So, if I'm looking at these two rosters and who are the speed threats, I like Debo Samuel. I love Debo Samuel. But I don't look at him as a pure speed threat. I think mm-hmm. he's more than just a pure speed threat. If I'm looking at speed guys, I'm looking at uh, Alex Wesley from Northern Colorado. I'm looking at Penny Hart from Georgia State, and I'm looking at uh, at the uh, the UMass kid at um, Isabella and Isabella and Anthony Isabella. To me, I'm looking at those guys, and I'm saying, okay, those are the three that really have you know field stretching ability. I think uh, you know uh, David Sills has the ability to do it as well. Um, Tyree Brady, to a certain extent, has made a lot of big plays down the field. But pure deep threats, I think you look at Penny Hart, who I compared to Taylor Gabriel, uh, has the ability to get on top mm-hmm. of people. Uh, Isabella is not just a quick, shifty slot guy. I mean, he's, he's not that, you know, that stereotypical prototype. He, he can get vertical as well. So those would be the guys I'd look at there. All right, let's go to the offensive line. Because this is one that also can be very sure. interesting for the Eagles, where – you look at the starting five, Jason Peters obviously getting up there in age. We talked about Jason Kelsey as he discusses potential retirement in the future. Um, you have Lane Johnson in trench. Brand Brooks has come off the injury. You hope he's going to be 100%. Um, Isaac Samuel showed promise at left guard. I think he took some big strides in his third season. Um, then from a depth perspective, you still have Mylotta, Jordan Mylotta. You've got Big V to work into the trenches. Matt Pryor is the one guy, the youth, your your young prospect from the interior standpoint. But yep. still, for me, the original question from Taylor was which would be the top priorities. Mm. I, to me, I'm starting along the lines of scrimmage. Because yep. I, I just look at how the team performed down the stretch. And when you're winning with the offensive line and defensive lines, that that to me is where it all begins. So those those are the two that I'm – Two areas I'm focused on the most. I think when you look at O line, you look at from a to me one of the biggest things, one of the biggest uh, you know the most important qualities is versatility, and, and the guys that I think offer the most versatility, Michael Dieter, my you know my number one O lineman here at this game from Wisconsin, Garrett Bradbury from uh, NC State uh, has guard center versatility. Um, Eric McCoy from Texas A&M has guard center versatility. Chris Lindstrom has guard tackle versatility. And this isn't just theoretical versatility. This is 
proven college quality starts yep. at multiple positions. Uh, Dalton Reisner from Kansas State, I think, is more of an interior guy, but has plenty of starts at tackle. Uh, and then I would also throw in Elkton Jenkins from Mississippi State. Titus Howard has played both tackle spots. Oli Udo from Elon. I mean, a lot of versatile guys down here. It's a, and this is a, we've talked about that yesterday. It's a good O line group here in Mobile. So uh, there's a few options that that really intrigue me at that at that position. Let's flip over to the defensive line, and you know you look at the ends to begin with. Brandon Graham is set to hit the free agent market, and he said that he owes it to himself after 10 great years in Philadelphia to see what's on the open market. Chris Long's future is in question. Um, you do have Derek Barnett coming back. You know, Michael Bennett is still under contract, but I, I feel like you have Josh White, who you drafted last season, a question mark. You don't know what, what he's going to provide for you, uh, but certainly would not surprise me to add another end to the mix. That's why, again, I look at the two lines, you know, as your top priorities for this offseason – and at tackle, you've got Fletcher Cox, all pro, you know, one of the best in the game. After that, though, there are some question marks. So, so to me, I mean, I would love to add a Montez Sweat to the, to the mix. I think here. he's the guy that you're talking about. If uh, Options at 25, like at this game, Montez Sweat's in that mix. Like if you had to say, like, all right, who's the short list of options for the Eagles at 25 here in Mobile this week? I think Montez Sweat is on the short list. Yeah. Now, your boy Jalen Jelks. That's my guy. That's your guy. Love Jalen Jelks. Didn't super impress me today. Production's not always there. <laughs> love his tools. I love his versatility. I love his motor. Um, basketball background, very athletic kid. Uh, I expect him to test very well in a few weeks here in the Combine. Uh, we'll see how he does the rest of the week. I wouldn't say he was bad, but he didn't stand Just out. One day. Yeah, he, one didn't, day. he didn't stand out any one way. Okay. Um, you know, mentioned Jalen Ferguson, who, who, was, who was good today. But Montez Sweat would be my guy, I was going to say. But the question is, is he going to be there at, at 25? Maybe because of the depth of the defensive line class, there's a chance for that. So linebacker, you've got M Nigel Bradham. Jordan Hicks, question mark, you know, he's entering free agency, free agency set to enter, enter free agency. Uh, you know, Kamagruja Hill took strides this season, you know, showing he's more than just a special teams player. Nate Gary got some quality reps on defense here in his second season. Uh, is there one player who stands out for you at the linebacker spots? I think Hanks had a really good day today. Uh, Coney is my guy. That's my linebacker one coming mm -hmm. into this game. But I, I think Hanks had a really good day today. And to me, Drew Tranquil, like – he just fits this culture here in Philadelphia. Like, I think he – the Eagles, Eagles fans would really like him. Uh, I think he'd fit really well in the locker room. Uh, great special teamer, athletic kid, can play sideline to sideline, has starting traits. Like, I, Drew Tranquil really, really piques my interest in the middle rounds as well. We go to the cornerbacks we kind of touched on already. I mean, I, I would love to see Isaiah Johnson from Houston mm. in, in Midnight Green. Just th that impressive length. That he brings, very physical. Um, you know, I be another nice addition to the mix here. Jordan Brown is the guy that, to me, like really, really, you know, has, has piqued my interest in terms of the way that he plays. Uh, I think he fits the scheme. I would say that uh, Rocky Sin fits the scheme very well. We as agree well. with that as well. Um, you know, I think when you look at Rocky Sin, you know, physical, good tackler, like he he brings that edge that Jim Schwartz likes on the perimeter. All right, and then at safety, you know, a number of options here. You talk about you have Malcolm Jenkins. Who who was it, Will Harris, the Boston College defensive back? That's right. You spent time with? I believe I, I had overheard. I don't know if he said this in your interview, but he was asked about a player you emulate, and he's mentioned Malcolm Jenkins. So it's great to see how Malcolm Jenkins is, you know, you kind of get a sense when you talk about certain positions or there are certain guys that are yeah. like the cream of the crop who are always mentioned, oh, I, I you know, mile my game after so-and-so. It's nice to see that he's in that conversation. No question. So, you get Rodney McLeod's coming off the injury. We, we don't know what Avanti Max is going to be. Is he corner? Is he going to be possibly a safety moving forward? We'll have to wait and see. But a lot of talented options here, here in uh, Mobile. Who, who was your number one was – 
It was uh, Abram coming into the week. Abram coming into the by week. A, by, like by a hair because Thornhill's uh, – Thornhill is like – that's like my guy. Like that, like I'm a, I'm a big Thornhill fan. So to put Abram ahead of him, even though I probably like Thornhill a little bit more, I think just Abram just, just kind of edged him out. Um, but Thornhill, I think if you're going to say like, all right, Frank, like, well, you're going to put your name on one of these guys, I think it would be Thornhill. You know, uh, had a chance to talk with him during the media day, just loves being around the ball. Absolute ball hawk. So that's how he looks like. Hey, compared him to Eddie Jackson, like that's that's the kind of player I think he can be. And trending towards it seems like what teams want in safeties. Yes. More so with the way coverage is is utilized in the NFL nowadays as well. Yeah. So agree. So uh, a pretty exhaustive exhaustive list there, but I think we covered everything. Yeah, we hit the we hit the question. So let's see. Uh, going through some of the other responses here. Let's see. One just came in. Oh, our, our boy C. Lee from Virginia. Love C. Lee. Who changed his avatar, so it threw me off a little bit. <laughs> we'll admit, admit to that. Uh, what round do you think Isabella goes in? I would say, um, gun to my head right now, I would go, uh, I'm go early third round. But I, I value him a little bit higher. I'd okay. say I to me he I, he comes off to me as more a second round pick. I don't really I don't grade guys that way. Obviously um, not, but just I guess a sense. Some See, teams some teams still do. There are some teams I know that in, in the NFL that that's the way that they evaluate, and they'll say like, oh, I gave him a second round grade. Um, but my my guess, just in terms of you know his body of work, is that he's going to be a day two guy and probably more of a round three guy. So uh, Matt B on Twitter uh, can't quite get through his whole handle uh actually had a couple couple of questions here okay. uh montez sweat we touched on already you know could montez sweat fall to 25 to the eagles i think he he certainly could fall to be there yes and uh is debo samuel a, a fit for the eagles offense definitely i just i just wanted to throw it out there just because yeah i think you know, he's, he, he absolutely could be a fit um you know i think when you look at uh, his yards after catch, his toughness, his ability to cr- uh, create without the ball. Uh, he plays special teams. Um, you know, he d- he does a lot of little things well that aren't you know necessarily going to show up uh, on a stat sheet. But also was a big play guy. I mean, uh, was a big play guy throughout the course of his career. Uh, I'm a big big fan of of Debo. Uh, let's see, Spartan Hounds at C L E underscore Spartans. Uh, your take on. The offensive lineman from Oklahoma, Drew Samia, and Powers. So I haven't done Powers yet. I would say that he was probably one of the sloppier bodies that we saw at the weigh-in this morning. Not that that means that's done. You know, no. there's, there's guys again, you're trying, you're looking at growth potential there. But Samia, um, I would say, was probably one of the leaner offensive linemen. Samia's a light guy. He, I want to say, scouts back in the spring had him at 275. Um, but I, I think he's a developmental starter, athletic. Uh, can do everything you want up front from an athletic standpoint. Can get out in the perimeter and make plays uh, in the screen game. Uh, tough as nails. Needs to work with his hands. Like, uh, like to me, it's like get him with a coach like Jeff Stoutland. Uh, let him kind of mold that guy. I think that there's something there. Uh, let's see. I'll acknowledge the other question we've gotten. We've touched on most of them already. Richard Lee Grace. Uh, have we Do we think that David Sills has showed more than scouts originally thought? Stuff to say because I don't know what they originally thought. Sure. I would say this. Um, draft Twitter, for the most part, not a fan of David Sills. I'm much higher on David Sills than uh, a lot than most people, I would think, in the media. Okay. So I, I would say uh, we'll, we'll see if that, uh, if that carries through. Uh, Larry Hopkins at Larry underscore Hopkins. Uh, again, acknowledging the question because we kind of touched on on the show. What RB skill set is not currently on the roster and which prospect fills that hole. And it, I think it's every individual skill set is on there. It's There's no there's no one who really encompasses everything, sure. I think, is what the Eagles are, are trying to find here. And really, and you know, again, we touched on who would probably be the best fit of the running backs here. It's, it's not a great running back group here. It's probably going to be more you have to look toward the underclassmen. When it comes to that regard, yeah, I would say that's probably right. I mean, I am excited. I said that to you extra today at practice. What was the first thing I said to you? I said, when we get back next week, I'm excited to dig into these underclassmen running backs. That's one of the first things I plan to do. And uh, last one here, SC Eagles fan wants to know a day three O lineman who can make the birds fifty three. Mm. I think is 
So I guess who who's a, let's who's pick a, a guy lineman? here? I was gonna say let's pick a guy here. I'm looking, I'm looking at the list here. A day three guy who could make the fifty three. I think you're gonna need you know, Michael Dieter, I think is a day two guy. You talked about the versatility aspect. Bradbury's a day two guy. All right. How about Nate Davis from Charlotte? Okay. Love his film. A little bit limited. Uh, smaller school, obviously. I want to say they're, they're in Conference USA, I yes. believe. Um, love his bend and flexibility. Love his mentality. Very, very tough. I want to say he was a four-year starter. Plays the tackle spot like a guard, and he's built like a guard. I think he's going to be a, an NFL guard. Um, but obviously has some versatility there, and you know that he's played tackle. But I do like him best on the inside. Uh, to me, he's probably a day three pick. I think he'll be a solid day three pick. I think he's got starting potential. Uh, and we'll close on this uh, because there are rumblings that tomorrow's practices. Yeah, it's you know, official. It was official. It is official. Oh, so we can put that out there that the first time that Fran's dealt with this, obviously, first time I've dealt with this, the. Senior Bowl practices are being held indoors on Wednesday, and unfortunately, media will not be able to view them. And in fact, teams are only going to be able to send two representatives. Yeah, it looks like that's the that's the they they haven't made official that part of it, but they did say that no media. So no media for tomorrow. So unfortunately, we will not be able to view tomorrow's practices. It's supposed to be torrential rain, thunderstorms, thunderstorms yeah. all. We will have a podcast, though. We've got a great something, idea. Something's already in the mix. We've already got a great, Trust a great idea for content. Trust us. We'll be back. We're, we're, not, we're not eating barbecue and, you know, well, all day long. Well, not all day long. All right. Yes. We'll, Chances we'll... are my, I'm going to have, like, a full <laughs> rack of ribs tomorrow. <laughs> like, this time tomorrow, a, pull, a full rack of ribs will be in my stomach. I, just – <laughs> you're not in the room alone <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm just gonna put that sure, out there that's, fine. that's fair you know at least be somewhat respectful of it i i think i am uh i only mention this because uh josh norris friend of the podcast yeah. already mentioned him on twitter just posted in lieu of tomorrow's senior bowl practices he'll put together a media member game of flag football in the elements one dollar pay-per-view <laughs> I'm taking the ribs. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, what, what depends on the, on the cut that uh, we would get out yeah, of it. Yeah, right. Uh, but, yeah, if it's going to be that sloppy tomorrow, yeah, no thanks. I'll pass on that. So, on that note, that's going to do it for us here on the Journey to the Draft podcast. Again, people, it's a rocky sin if you haven't already subscribed. Oh man, you're gonna you're gonna ride that one. No, I'll, I'll stop after today because I might I might have to end up paying royalties or something like that. So hopefully, maybe maybe we'll draft them and then I can you know toss around a there few more go. times. So, uh, but definitely again, you know, rate, comment, uh, wherever it is you listen to podcasts, we will we will answer any questions that are posted on there. So for Fran Duffy, I'm C Mac. Everyone have a great night. Stay dry, stay warm. We will have more tomorrow here on the Journey to the Draft podcast.